You are listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as the other show I do, How to Stan, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com and subscribe to my newsletter at howtostan.substack.com. K-pop interviews, album reviews, and more. Subscribing is free, but if you want to continue to support my work, feel free to donate. Click the support the show button on the homepage at 17karatkpop.weebly.com. Hi everybody! What I thought happened certainly did, where I predicted over time I would wish I had ranked Kai's album Peaches higher on my top 20 list for November, but I will definitely give it its due praise more in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. But I'm giving you that teaser now, just so you know, and frankly because I wanted to. I could not wait another week to use this punny title, okay? James and the Kai and Peach. Anyway, there's some exciting news to get to, and some more serious news, and at the end of today's news roundup, a little preview of what the next few weeks of 17 Karat K-Pop entail. First up, BTS's iconic shows at SoFi Stadium. This truly is such a historic LA trip for them. Their fall 2021 LA trip better go down in history. The Grammy nomination... These four sold-out SoFi Stadium shows, LA lit up to celebrate. Even the frickin' McDonald's in the area lit up purple for them. Plus you've got the AMAs, the crosswalk performance for the Late Late Show, then concluding with a special addition to the Jingle Ball lineup. Very exciting past few weeks for them. And they expressed that excitement and gratitude for the past week or so at their LA press conference. There are two standout comments made there, so if you didn't watch the conference, the two big summary points I can give you. One is that RM said it was very intentional that the members were on stage as seven members the whole time. No solos or unit stages, they wanted to just do every song with all seven of them, which is both unconventional for them and kind of for K-pop shows overall, especially because they're so high intensity with their dancing and stuff. So to take breaks while other members are on stage is pretty common, but they really, really just wanted to emphasize how truly they have been wanting to spend every single second on stage as full BTS, and that's what happened. So these shows really were, based on the millions of clips I have binged-watched on social media from fans who were at the show, it seems pretty clear that these four shows were just meant to be super fun and for all seven of them to just have a blast. Really, it's that pent-up energy the past few years they've been holding in. It didn't really follow a deep narrative arc like their live shows often do, so... So that's the first takeaways. That theme was by design. Second quote that stood out to me was, I think, a very humbling quote, and a humble one for him. But something we should all live by. Not overtly, word by word, but the gist of it is important to keep in mind. When RM was asked how he stays humble, how he thinks about success, he said, quote, It's very simple. There's 100% of success. I'll give 50% to ARMY. We put 5% each, that's 35%. I'll give 15% to HYBE, my percentage is like 5%. If you always realize that you're just a piece of this whole journey, this success is not all yours, etc. He really gave us the army 50% and him 5%. That is so nice and humble. 
In honor of the number seven, my seven favorite things about the show, one, the army bomb light show. It was really cool and felt so dearly missed to see everyone's army bombs in a performance of sorts, a light show with each other, at an in-person event. Man, I miss being in the purple ocean. Number two, the palpable relief and excitement when the members went on stage. Especially the first show, they really got emotional right away. RM really just, his excitement and relief was palpable, no holds barred. So number two is his comments and just his fantastic attitude about being back. The palpable relief, he did not worry about keeping a quote-unquote tough guy face or whatever. He showed the world how he really felt. And then the second part of that is his wonderful comment about how, since they always say we are bulletproof, he said, quote, I'll definitely remember this moment in my 40s, in my 50s. You guys are the proof of our existence, our value, our love. We're the bullet, and you guys are our proof. Together, we are bulletproof. Number four has to be more about the fans. It's always so fun to see the block party of sorts that always forms in front of a K-pop show in the hours leading up to it. Fans giving each other their goodies that they made themselves, trading photo cards, dancing. It's just a blast. And like I said before, the town lit up too. The McDonald's were lit up purple. The nearby Ferris wheel was lit up for them. I also saw this viral video that was super cute of a flight attendant saying over the loudspeaker, who on this flight is going to the BTS concert? And you see the whole plane is full of ARMY. What goals? If I ever travel to a BTS show, I better be on a plane that's basically, officially or unofficially, solely ARMY there. It just felt like, especially like I said with all the social media posting, the world was watching and gathering to watch this together. It was really nice. Number five, they performed with a live band. That was a cool new thing for them. With that live band, they had this really smooth, no pun intended, transition between dynamite and butter. Number six, the taxi, the chicken taxi, from J-Hope's chicken noodle soup video, was seen driving around the venue. That is just so funny. I hope they just spent their week in LA driving around in it. Now how's that for an episode of Run BTS? Guess which member drove around the car all day? Or maybe the punishment on the show would be the loser of a game has to be driven around in the chicken taxi. 10 out of 10 would watch. Lastly, my favorite thing about these historic shows, the celebrities. So much support for them. Max went to the show, Bella Porch was there, Halsey was there, and then jumped on stage with them. Megan the Stallion flew in for a cameo, the one that we had missed due to a personal reason that caused her to drop out of the AMAs, so we finally got to hear the Butter remix live. Lizzo was rocking out, Anderson Pack brought his son. It was just so exciting to see the support, and then have a celebrity guest on stage too. And if you think BTS brings palpable joy to a venue, what happens when Lizzo is in the same venue? Just an explosion of good vibes. In other BTS-related good news, BTS, as a full group, has decided to defer their military enlistment. I know I'm always going on about, hey media, please stop talking about this, but now I'm going to be that person and talk about it. But now there's actually an update, not just more speculation. It was confirmed November 25th that all seven members submitted deferral applications. 
so that they can defer their enlistment until December 2022. So we get a whole nother year before we have to worry about this again. Super quick condensed update about the situation. Requiring able-bodied men of a certain age in Korea to serve in the military. December 1st of 2020, this amendment was issued to South Korea's Military Service Act, allowing a bit more leeway with who is eligible for deferral in the first place. It's usually been reserved for a very slim number of figures who have been considered to provide immense support, immense cultural merit, and a positive reputation to South Korea anyway, in other ways. It's typically just been given to classical and folk artists. Anyone branded K-pop is not viewed as eligible, really. That's not the norm. But obviously, BTS is the epitome of providing extra cultural value and interest to South Korea. So they might establish a new precedent, and the amendment that would allow them to do so was finally issued. However, keep in mind that there are two separate debates. There's the issue specifically addressed with this amendment, which is about postponing. Outright skipping your military service? That has not been resolved yet. So Jin does not have to enlist as soon as we thought, but the total permanent exemption from BTS being required to enlist, that's still being debated. Not in the future. It is being debated now. Actually, back November 22nd, a subcommittee did meet specifically to discuss that issue. But a final judgment is not expected until a period of them taking into account, quote, social aspects and public opinion. I like to think both social aspects and public opinion are on our side here, with allowing them to be exempt, but of course, that's just selfish me talking. They may genuinely feel unsettled with exempting themselves. They might feel a responsibility to enlist anyway at some point. And it's totally up to them, but you know, I just wish that the option would at least be available to them, both so we don't have to miss them when they're away, but also it is an important precedent, a different way to look at and increase the value seen around pop music and how it truly can be a force in society. A few more bits of BTS news. They finally each have their own Instagram accounts. And they're officially going on another break of sorts. But remember last time they did this, it was viewed as historic, their first big break. And then they were back like two weeks later. So really hoping this break is longer than that one. And I'm also suspicious how long they'll truly be gone. Only some of the members just flew back to Korea now that their LA promo week is over. So some of them are still in LA, which leaves me suspicious. I hope someone told them, if you're doing verses or writing songs for other artists, it still counts as you working. You're on the clock, no. Someone needs to, like, take their recording studio keys away from them. Guys, mandatory rest period, okay? What really stood out to me about this letter about a possibly short hiatus is that it said this will be the first time the boys spend the holidays with their families since their debut. I repeat, that was in 2013. Imagine growing up without seeing any family during holidays. Boy, do they deserve this break. So the reason why I'm not thinking I'll really miss you, which I am kind of, but one is that we'll see them on Instagram. Two is that they just really deserve this break. Three, I know how short their version of breaks can get, 
And I also know, like many K-pop acts, they record a lot ahead of time. So we'll probably get more YouTube content, things they filmed months ago, in the coming weeks. And after all, next week their Crosswalk Late Late Show special airs the 16th, as well as a special performance of Butter tomorrow night, the 8th. Alright, turning to more serious matters. Two stories related to mainland China and Hong Kong. First of all, the band from Hong Kong, Omicron, is having a week. Because now the new COVID variant shares a name with them. They seem to be taking it in stride, thinking, hey, at least it gives... It brings more attention to our music, so it's okay. But I still feel bad for them. Just wanted to get that out there. Not really a news story, but worth mentioning, it's interesting. And I repeat, this is not how the world wanted to learn the Greek alphabet. I know I'm the 10,000th person to make that point, but come on, people. Then there's mainland China, who just revealed the names of 88 artists on their new blacklist. China's Association of Performing Arts has made public who they have blacklisted. This is actually the ninth time they have issued such a list. And they only started doing it back in 2018. It's a fairly recent trend, but they're already on round 9. They cited, quote, illegal and unethical behavior. They said the list will, quote, strengthen the self-discipline, unquote, and assure other entertainers are warned not to end up like them. So it's meant to be a deterrent for promoting what they view as excessive wealth on social media, immorality, all the stuff we talked about on previous episodes, especially the one called Crown and K-Pod Save the World. Chris Wu, to no one's surprise, is on the list, as well as some of the people we've talked about before, like Jeanne Schwan, the actress accused of both tax evasion and leaving a surrogate child in the USA. It's a very long story. Then there's Jeanne Jehan, the actor and singer who... He posted a picture on social media of himself visiting the shrine to Japanese soldiers who died in war, got a bunch of backlash from Chinese netizens, and now has officially been punished by China for taking pictures at that shrine. As well as influencers who are known for rejecting quote-unquote feminine assumptions, feminine stereotypes, ways of presenting themselves, if they go against that, they've been punished now officially. And this isn't like some toothless censure. This isn't just a performative list, not just symbolic. These blacklisted artists really are now prohibited from appearing on any live stream platform. So they can't appear in someone else's live stream or do their own. And this rule, they say, is to prevent, quote, illegal and unethical artists from moving to other platforms to restart their careers, unquote. Lots more context we dive into in those episodes, like I said. Let's get to some lighter stuff. Spotify Wrapped is here, and has anyone else been having an issue with getting your Spotify Wrapped slideshow to show up? I keep getting through half, and then halfway through watching my slideshow, Spotify just crashes and won't let me watch the rest. So I know my most listened to songs of the year and stuff, but I can't tell you who my most listened to artists are. It's very frustrating. Anyway, I can share some interesting stuff though. Apparently, what Spotify Rap says about this movie I would star in based on my playlist, the opening credit scene would be soundtracked by New Dream by NCTU. Then the song playing As I Defeat an Ancient Vengeful Spirit would be Hot Sauce by NCT Dream. Yes and yes, 10 out of 10 would watch. 
And apparently, my movie would also have tender moments. The song playing as a single tear drops down my face would be Silent Boarding Gate by June. Again, 10 out of 10 would watch. Just some other fun facts. My most streamed song of the year is Then to Start by NCT 127. One of their B-sides on the Awaken Japanese album. So, so underrated. It truly is so well done. The way it's both anthemic and understated, dramatic, but also kind of muted, just top-tier production, it just, it sounds immaculate. And although I listened to 48 different genres this year, my top genres, first place K-pop, second J-pop, third C-pop, fourth K-rap, is that new this year when they break rap into its own category for Korean music? I don't remember that before. And I also don't know if they know what they're doing there when they spell K-R-A-P. And then fifth place, I got Alt-Idol. Does anyone know what Alt-Idol is? Like Alternative Idol? Like Indiax? What does that mean? Anyway, I also apparently spent over 64,000 minutes listening to music this year, just on Spotify. I told you I was very obsessed. When I tell you music is my life, don't underestimate it. Anyway, let me know what you got. I'm very curious. I love talking about and hearing about people's favorite music. Oh, also, most binge listened to artist was 17. I'm shocked. And my most listened to song, repeatedly, my most binged song, is, like I said, Rush Hour by Gaho. Just fantastic. As for what the world was listening to this year, the top K-pop artists globally, 5th place TXT, 4th place Stray Kids, 3rd place Twice, 2nd place Blackpink, 1st place BTS. BTS also got number one for Apple Music's Most Listened to Song of the Year. Dynamite became number one on Billboard's year-end chart, the Global 200 Songs chart. And BTS got third place on the list of most streamed artists globally, period. Not just topping the K-pop list, but in the top five for the world. Fun fact, first place most streamed artist in the world on Spotify this year was Bad Bunny. BTS also got the top four spots in the list of most streamed K-pop songs globally this year. Butter in first place. Then Dynamite, Permission to Dance, and Life Goes On. Then in fifth place, Blackpink, How You Like That. No surprises here. Let's move on to some rapid-fire headlines. The girl group Elris is not over yet. They just joined B.I.'s company, IOK. It was a management transfer after much discussion, and this means they're officially the first girl group to ever come out of IOK Company. The 8 has a new OST coming out for the show Who is Murderer. The 8 also just became an ambassador for the Happiness Hippocampus Project, which supports those with Alzheimer's. Lots of big Asian Artist Award wins this year. Some notable ones include NCT's Doyeon for the Focus Award in the Actor category, NCT127 with Album of the Year, and N-Hyphen with a Rookie Award. Seventeen won three big awards, Singer of the Year, the Fabulous Award, and the most exciting was Woozy, winning Best Producer. And seeing the bandmates' reaction and their genuine joy for him and shock, so cute. Then there were some big wins at the Japan VMAs. So many big wins, many I will talk about during my best J-pop of the year roundup. 
But for now, I will shout out some titles I'm sure my non-J-pop listening listeners of this show will still find notable. At the Japanese VMAs, BTS's Butter won for Best Western Group Video. It's interesting because I guess with their English language song, it's suddenly labeled there as Western. In their collaboration with Coldplay, one of her best Western collaboration video. Best Japanese collaboration video went to Millennium Parade and Bell with their song You. Best Western solo artist video went to Billie Eilish for Happier Than Ever. Best Western new artist video went to Olivia Rodrigo for Driver's License. JO1 with Real won for Best Dance Video. Niju won the Best Buzz Award. B First won the Rising Star Award. And two of my all-time favorite Japanese artists won. Millet for Best Pop Video for Ordinary Days. And Sky High with truly one of the best songs of the year, To The First, which won for Best Hip Hop Video. I guess rap was just roped into hip-hop for this show, because it's not really a hip-hop song. But I digress. Congrats to all. The MCs for this year's KBS Song Fest were announced, including Astro's Cha Eunwoo, AOA's Sol Hyun, and SF9's Lo Woon. Wishing a speedy recovery to Yezi from ITZY. She missed out on the Asian Artist Awards due to a back injury sustained during rehearsals for it. Congrats to BTS and Espa. They both won at the CJENM Visionary Awards. Congrats to Yuna from Girls' Generation, who won the Popular Star Award at the 42nd Blue Dragon Film Awards. Espa are the latest act to be a part of Rolling Stone's The First Time series of videos. So check out their YouTube channel, Rolling Stones, for that. Seventeen are the first K-pop act to ever be named MTV's Push Artist of the Month. And that kicks off with a series of exclusives through MTV December 10th. Should start December 17th, but I digress. Congrats to Giant Pink. She is expecting her first child. And congrats to Taeyang, who just welcomed his first baby boy. December 9th will be big for K-pop TV appearances, with Espa on The Nick Cannon Show and Ciel on The Kelly Clarkson Show. Meanwhile, tonight, Espa will make an appearance on The Daily Show. I already went on several rants about how much I love Daily Show K-pop crossovers, so I'll spare you that again now, but you know I am beyond nerding out over it. Lisa from Blackpink officially is fully recovered from COVID and left self-quarantine, as did Ho-Chan from Victon. And Lisa is right back to work, making her runway debut with Celine. LA Monbebe. Check out the Monster X pop-up shop this week to correspond with the release of their new concert movie, The Dreaming. This is also kind of a pop-up meet and greet. So here's the deal. This is happening December 10th, 11th, and 12th. You can go to the pop-up shop from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Except certain hours the shop will be closed to host the meet and greet. If you buy a VIP package, you'll get limited edition merch, autographed album copies in advance, and a meet and greet with them. It is $250, but the rest of that sounds good, and the meet and greet hours, when the pop-up shop will be closed to others, will be Friday, 3.30 to 5, and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1. BTS is now the first group in Spotify's history to ever reach 22 billion streams. 
J-Hope is officially the first Korean soloist to surpass 8 million Spotify subscribers. Epic High's Rosario reached number 40 on Rolling Stone's list of best songs of 2021. And TXT's cast chapter, Freeze, reached 46 on the list of best albums of the year. And the two K-pop entries on the New York Times list of best 2021 releases, Espa Savage and NCT 127's Sticker. Idol by BTS is officially certified silver in the UK. NCT 127 are now the first K-pop act to spend 10 weeks in a row on the Billboard 200 chart for a 2021 album. Hwasa is the first and only K-pop female soloist this year to have two songs chart in the top 10 of the Billboard World Digital Songs Sales Chart. Blackpink just surpassed 70 million YouTube subscribers. Their song Really just surpassed 100 million streams. And Lisa's video for Money surpassed 300 million views. Twice's new album is their first to spend two weeks in the top 20 of the Billboard 200 chart. Stray Kids' Christmas Evil EP topped iTunes in 23 countries. And Kai's album Peaches topped iTunes in 58 countries. See how I brought it all back to Peaches at the end of the day? A little preview now, before I go, of what to expect the rest of the year from this show. Both on my site and on this show, there's a lot coming. I have some interviews potentially in the works, always subject to change, but if you're subscribed to my free newsletter, you'll find out if it worked out or not. I also will be revisiting my predictions for the K-pop world in 2021 and make some 2022 predictions. I will also revisit my predictions for MAMA winners and recap that show as well as other year-end Korean award shows. I've also got a bit more 17 talk coming, a big reflection on the power of love as I formulate my thoughts about it all. We'll see if it lends itself to a newsletter issue or an episode of the show. But something's coming, 17 related. And I will have much more to say about NCT, big NCT talk episode coming, decoding this string of teaser videos. I'll release it though after the album officially drops the 14th. I've got recaps of the year in review for K-pop news, a big year in review episode that's kind of an episode guide. So if you want to recommend my show to someone and don't know what episode to recommend they start with, or you personally want to go back and listen to an old episode but don't know which one to start with, it'll be an audio directory basically. And my big year-end lists are coming. A huge countdown of the best music videos of the year, best C-pop and J-pop of the year, best albums of the year, best songs, best everything of the year. Lots of countdowns are coming, both on my site, written, and in my newsletter, and in episodes. So lots of fun facts, details about how those releases came together that make the cut. So do not miss a moment of my upcoming countdown episodes. Again, please subscribe and sign up for the newsletter at howtostand.substack.com. Lots of big exciting stuff in the works, so stay tuned. A barrage of content is on the way. Lastly, your action item of the day is to check out this company I recently found out about. It's called A Doll Like Me. It's an adorable company who makes custom dolls so little kids maybe they only have one arm or they have scarring on their face or not even something super specific maybe. If you just really want your kid to feel like they finally get a doll that looks like them, check out a dolllikeme.com because it's adorable. 
Out of any toys, I will always have a soft spot for dolls, keeping me company as a shy little kid. So I hope that company and others like it really help kids get that same comfort and joy from their toys this year. Alright, that wraps up today's episode. Again, stay tuned for a very exciting boatload of content. And I'll talk to you all again very, very soon. Bye!